Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Everybody and welcome into this Friday edition of Scott Show. Holy cow, we got a lot to get into. UL softball, the Clemson Regional Division Baseball, Pro Nola segment with Gus Cattengale, but Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, that that rant managed to do something that was not possible. And that was leave Lane Kiffin of all people speechless. Oh my God. I mean, good Lord. Jimbo, yesterday morning, about an hour after I got off the air, held a press conference in response to Nick Saban's comments that Texas A&M bought all of their players. Deion Sanders had a response as well. We get into that later on in the show. But, I mean, Jimbo just came on and just, that felt deeply personal. We just let it rip. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. I mean, Jimbo, Jimbo's basically like, hey, I used to work for him. I know where the dead bodies are buried. Oh, man. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. Really? Really, Jimbo? Apparently, Nick tried to call his old buddy. The two claimed they were friends. Jimbo, the OC at LSU back from 2000 to 2004 under Nick Saban when he was the head coach there. Jimbo's uh, Jimbo's about had enough. It's about, about had enough. I mean, that comment right there, that... Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal about, about a guy that... A lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Holy cow. Yeah. Said that uh, Nick, his old buddy Nick tried to call him. He said, I didn't take the call. We're done. He's the greatest ever. <laughs> when you have all the advantages, it's easy. Said somebody should have slapped him. I mean, it literally, it, it felt. Now, look, AM and Alabama, it, it feels like, you know, Jimbo and Nick Saban arguing about who's doing things right or wrong or cheating or not cheating or getting the advantage or not the advantage feels a lot like Regina George and Gretchen Wieners and Mean Girls fighting over stuff. And I don't remember the name of the character Amanda Seyfried played, but that would be Lane Kiffin probably in this instance. But. 
it, it kind of feels like Floyd Landis and Lance Armstrong bickering about one another. Like, come on. At least what I can respect about Jimbo is his comment of parody. There's never been parody ever. Like, really? Are you serious? The number one and number two recruiting class in all of college football last year. And the head coaches out there bickering at one another like they're on the Jerry Springer show. And I can't get enough of it. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's entertaining. I don't know if it's sustainable. I'm sure it'll run its course. I'm sure they'll have a lot of build-up to SEC media days where Jimbo said he's not afraid of confrontation. I mean, again, it's like a wrestling promo. I get it. And and I'm anxious to hear what they want to say, but they're going to get really annoyed when they get asked about it. You know, I can see it now. Saban will get up there. I'm going to dress this one time. I'm not going to answer any more questions. You know, I've talked to Jimbo. You want to take my call? I, I sent him a letter. We've addressed this. No one listened to what I actually said. And instead, all of you didn't do your job right. I, you didn't do your job right. And you you wrote the headline instead of the actual story. And that's not what I said. I wasn't insinuating this. Jim was going to be like, oh, you know, he's a liar. He don't want to get me. He don't want to, get me. He don't want to go dig in the path. Go ahead. I want to let's get in the rain. Let's fight. But I don't want to answer these questions anymore either. We got to focus. We're Dexter in. We do things the right way. We want to be good. I'm going to take care of these kids. We're going to win. We're going to play it. And then, again, they'll get annoyed at the media when they get asked about it for the third time. Say they're not going to talk about that. All right, well, I'm done with that. Moving on. Focus on 2022. Say when we like, I already said it. All right, I'm not going to. All right, quit asking me. And then that'll be done. Or will it? I don't know. I mean, that, that's when Lane Kiffin will enter the chat and just be like, oh, no, let me throw some gas on this fire. Jimbo and Ashley would be awkward seeing Nick at SEC media days. Awkward about what? I don't mind confrontation. Dealt with him my whole life. Kind of like it. He said that shortly after he said he, he maybe somebody should have slapped him. Oh, man. Incredible. If you missed any of it, it's all up for you at ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Felt deeply personal. It was something. It was something. You can check all it out. You can check all that out over there. Gus Cattengill going to join me for the Pro Nola segment. We'll talk a little Saints, little Pels. We will talk Jimbo and Nick Saban for sure. That's coming up. We'll open phone lines in the eight o'clock hour to talk about Jimbo and Nick. We'll talk Cajun baseball, their game last night against Little Rock, and what's coming up this weekend. And of course, UL softball from the Clemson Regional today, one thirty. First pitch, 115 pregame. Ian Ozan, Bobby Nava, Bobby, the color analyst, will join me in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, tail end of the show, to talk about the matchup today and the Cajuns' chances in the Clemson Regional. What are they going to do if they don't have Coach Clasco? Well, they've been preparing all week. They're doing their thing. Number 22 ranked Raging Cajuns. Their 31st overall appearance in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they, it's going to be fun. Since 1990, Louisiana missed the NCAA postseason one time. It was in 1998. That's it. They got a long streak growing here, but their goal is to get to the Supers. We'll talk more about that uh, at the tail end of the show with my guy Bobby Nova. Don't go anywhere. Gus Cottingill next. Uh, we'll talk Jimbo and Nick. We'll talk a little NBA playoffs. We'll talk... Saints, it's all coming your way. Open phone lines in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Don't go anywhere. It is a give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. On the Great Scott Show. We'll be right back right after this. In 19-
Coulda and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. One, two, Into the great Scott show on a give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. And joining me now for the Protola segment before we get back into some UL Diamond Sports softball at the Clemson Regional today. Bobby Neva coming up later on in the show. We'll talk NBA playoffs and all that. But let's talk some Protola stuff with. And I got some questions about Nick Saban with our next guest, Mr. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Good morning, G-Cat. What is happening, man? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too, man. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing fine, man. I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well here in hot May. It feels like it's, you know, <laughs> August 20th, not May 20th, but Dude, I'm doing all, good. No, okay. I, I'm glad you said that because I was starting to think that I'm the only – the one that can't handle all of this. The dog walks are brutal. Uh, even in the morning, I am just not a fan. Like, I don't, I don't care for the heat, and I don't want to hear you get used to it living here. I've lived here my entire life. I'm just not a fan. There's some people that are, though. Right? I mean, there's there's a lot of people that would rather the heat than the cold. I would. I that doesn't mean I'm a fan clothing. of it. That doesn't mean I'm a fan of it, but I'd yeah. rather the heat than the cold. I mean, that's like saying, no, not me. you know, not would you me. rather? I would much rather. It's like saying, would you rather use a portalette or, you know, a bathroom at a dirty truck stop? I mean, neither. Oh, come on. That's not, that's not even the same. <laughs> neither, neither is like something that you necessarily want. You want the like, you know, lovely, perfect yeah. bathroom that's clean everywhere. And, you know, you get it for a few weeks in the spring down here. But I, you know, I, to, say, to say that you're a fan of one of them just because you would take one over the other. I mean, come on, Gus. Let's, let's, let's be well, real I mean, here. Okay. So, okay. What we both don't mean like the extremes, right? <laughs> like we don't want 107 yes, and we yes, don't right. want 25 degrees. Ooh, so yeah, God. but I would, because to me, like the perfect temp is 65, 65 to 70 where you're in the sun, it's warm. If you're in the shade, it's cool. Some people may even put a little long sleeve on, you know, but like I am definitely, uh, you know, in that realm, like I'm, I'm not even kidding. I've, um, you know, I, I think I opened up the show last week when it started to get hot, and, and I was looking at it. I was I, I'm already counting down, you know, to the first cold front of the year. You know, to be to be honest with you, <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, so I, I got, you know, like two countdowns running on my, and you know, I have uh, what how many days till October, and then. How, how many days to, you know, the start of the, the football season? That's kind of, you know, the, the start. 
of where I'm at right now. I'm ready for the, the cold front, if that makes any sense. He's ready for the uh, nice fall weather and then the winter weather after. I mean, those that'll be fun, right? Saints season will start. Yeah. Pelican season will start in October. That'll be fun. We got... You know, opening now, the Mets, despite missing their best players, are, are, are playing really well, which I'm enjoying. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Cajuns, you know, playing Little Rock this weekend. They got the Sun Belt Tournament, Cajun softball in the Clemson Regional today. Uh, LSU will be in a regional, not hosting after what happened against Ole Miss. But, you know, from a sports standpoint, Gus, there's, there's still plenty to chew on at the moment. And the NBA playoffs where... You know, the, the Heat will be disrespected and the Warriors might roll the Mavs, although I've disrespected the Mavs right. a lot. And they went out and, you know, gave right. the Suns the most embarrassing Game 7 loss, I think, in, in NBA. I mean, that might be the most embarrassing Game 7 loss in sports history. And I know we're going back a ways. I know it didn't just happen yesterday, but holy cow. Sure. Man, that was, what was that, Sunday? Good Lord. That was Dude, awful. I- well, first off, yeah, I think along those lines, too, I mean, I'll get your opinion on this. Did, did, did the Suns quickly become a very unlikable team? Like, well, I, I think it's because they played about, the Pelicans. I think that has something to do with it. No, see, I, okay, so I'm glad you said that because I do think some people have said that, like, when they call the show, too. But I, I do think there's some of that, right? I mean, obviously, I think still fresh in your mind is um, – you know, Chris Paul kicking, you know, Alvarado and the unmentionables. Jay Crowder and, you know, being Jay Crowder. Like, I, I agree. But, um, you know, along those lines, though, of them kind of acting that way and doing that, Scott, I almost feel like what you saw this year, um, and especially once the postseason started, it was almost like, you know, last year was sort of like, hey, they made that run. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, it was magical. You know, it was... It was nice, right? It was nice for them to sort of do that and, and to see that. And I think the Monty Williams story, Chris Paul getting to his first finals, it was all kind of a, a feel-good thing. This year they go out and, and win the most games in franchise history, which is incredible when you think of the Hall of Fame players. 64 wins the caliber players is nuts. 64 no, wins. No, I mean, well, good, dude, you remember Steve Nash. I mean, yeah, Nash, you know, Johnson. I mean, you, you had some, you know, Thunder Dan Martin. You had, like, Berkeley some names, you know, play in Phoenix and they never won that many games. So that's what was interesting to me. But I, I, I kind of have watched over the last month. They just become like villains, you know, they're just, they cry about everything. They're just kind of playing, they play desperate trying to, you know, do the fouls like they did. I mean, Booker, there's a word I can describe Booker in, and it's four letters, and it's not very kind, and it starts with B. Like, I just, like, I just, he just completely is four not or a guy that I can root for right now. And, you know, and Chris, my goodness, the, the amount of people that piled on on him when they lost it that was, game. It was, seven, so, it was, I, it was over the top. It was, it was actually too but, much. Right. But it that's was what I'm saying, much. man. It's like, I, I did not know that many people didn't care for, for the sun or those guys, especially and then, you know, there's internal conflict with Aiton and Monty Williams. He don't even mention him by name in his postseason availability, which I mean, it's just, this is, this it, is it a good, odd. this is a good uh, launching point here. Cause I still have a lot of respect and, and I love Monty and I think Phoenix will still be really good next year. I mean, they won 64 games. Sure. They lost in seven in the second round, which is unfortunate for them, but they didn't just lose in seven. They got absolutely embarrassed in game seven, but it goes to show you, man, you just 
don't know. I know we've had this conversation a lot, but when you are on the doorstep with any team, you have to do what you can do. You have to seize the moment. You know, we 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 feel like this pocket of success for the Pelicans is there, and yet, you know, things can happen. It could go off. It, something could go wrong. I mean, hell, it's happened plenty of times. The assumption that, oh, you're going to be back there, this is going to happen. In Sportsman, it's just there are too many variables. You build it, you do the best you can, but try to win. I mean, that that's why for Saints fans, the 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 nefarious non-call will always sting more than anything. As Sean Payton has said, we'll never get over it. As Teron Armstead, now with the Dolphins, said, you know, <laughs> F that. I'll never get over that. That's the thing I'll remember most in New Orleans, unfortunately, is, is when that happened. I mean, you just, you don't know. And, you know, for the four teams left, man, you know, somebody's going to be a champion, and maybe it'll be a multi-time champion. Maybe, you know, maybe it won't be. It'd be a team that um, is is doing it. Well, I, it, they're all, I mean, I, I say that. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> they've all won championships before. But the point is, it's it's going to be someone new this year, and the ones that come up short, there's no guarantee they're going to be back there next year. Whoever wins it will be a multi-time champ, but... I, I, you want to add one of those banners, and for Phoenix, they thought this was the year. They went sixty-four and eighteen. When you look at Paul's age, I mean, heck, the, the team that won the second of most games was the Grizzlies, and they won eight more than the Grizzlies. When you have mm-hmm. somebody like Chris Paul at his age, when you've got the issues with Aiden, like you got to take a hard look in the mirror and say, we're not that far off, but we're suddenly trending downward from a year ago. To reverse that arrow and point it back up. You talk about load management. You talk about all kind of decisions that have to be made. And, you know, if you're the Pelicans, you feel like you're up and coming. You got in the postseason. You got a taste of it. You took Phoenix to six games. You played really well the second half of the season. You had a winning record with Brandon Ingram in the lineup. You got C.J. McCollum. You plan on adding Zion back to the mix. And you got the eighth overall pick in the draft from the Lakers. What should they do with that pick, Gus? Folks have heard me say it. I think they need to keep it, get a rotational piece that you can develop. He might not play right out the gate, but you need guys on rookie deals that can be in the rotation when you have a roster that's about to get pretty expensive, in my opinion. Where do you see them going, and what do you think they do with that pick? I'll tell you, man, it's been fun. I've kind of run the gambit this week, having different people on that cover the team and kind of get an idea of where, you know, where they think, too. And, you know, um, just for, for fans, too, that love maybe and live by the mock drafts, which weren't too far off this year, right, when it came to Alave and Penning. Um, NBA.com, if you go to their website, the official league and, uh, website, Scott, and you click mock drafts, or they, they actually have an updated that it, it continuously updates. They take the best six mock drafts from all the websites, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, CBS, all of them. And then it is six of them, and they use a consensus uh, of all of them to kind of have. And it's, it's literally called a consensus mock draft. So they literally will have next to the Pelicans who's the guy that's getting the most votes and a little number next to it by how many on it. So just something to keep in mind from here to June 23rd. we got to keep looking at it. But um, – I think what was interesting, and, and the way I looked at it, too, it was so nice, Scott, and even when you came on the show, I think I started with you, that we opened up our conversation on Wednesday. I opened up my show on Wednesday by 
having watched a lottery and not feeling like the weight of the world or the state of the franchise or the future of the franchise was dependent on an 18 and 19 year old, whether it was to make Zion happy and keep him happy, whether it was to use that to trade somebody that was a star or big enough name to keep Zion happy and keep him, to keep the franchise from moving, to get butts in seats, to get, I mean, that's not at all where the Pelicans are. It literally is, okay, well, what guy can come in and do specifically something to help, whether it's three-point shooting, point guard play, can develop behind guys. It, 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 it was crazy. You have 18 contracts right now. Now, some of those, you may either move in trades or what have you, and the three that pop in my head, you know, it's Temple, Devontae Graham could be used. Uh, as well, and maybe even Jackson Hayes, because I think you saw in the postseason, when it comes to specific matchups and what he can or can't do, I go back to my conversation with him about him earlier in the year with you. I was like, what does he do great? Like, what is it that he's known for? I think he has athleticism and can do things during the regular season, but is he a guy that you can see in the postseason that can help you or not? Um, I don't know. Is that somebody you can use to move up? Uh, in the draft to go get a a, a guy. So I think what I concluded or what I even went into this week is the Pelicans have options, tons of options, and they got good options. They could, you know, obviously stay at eight, and and I think that you're going to be able to sort of like the Saints if they would have stayed put um, at 16 and find somebody that can come in and help you. I I think you can maybe – you know, use the two second round picks with some players and contracts you can probably get rid of to maybe move up to five. I, don't, I mean, you're not moving up to two, four, I don't think, but can you, can you get the five or Detroit and maybe go get somebody that you really think can come in and help you? Um, you can move back four spots. The Clippers seem to be a spot that a lot of people think you can maybe move back to, still get a player that's serviceable. Um, and help you specifically on something like Mike Williams, the guy, the center from Duke, that is a you know rim protector. You can sort of do that. So there, there's a though that it narrows down to about four or five players you think are kind of going to be there. And I, I think when you look at it, it's just a nice spot to be, what the Pels can sort of do. I think you keep it, especially as you've mentioned to me, and I think it's obvious, it's about to get real expensive in that building with three players in particular, with with Zion Williamson's new extension that's going to come, and C.J. McCollum's 30-plus. So you're about to have three players that are 30-plus. So Jackson Hayes' extension, that's why I think he might be somebody you might move. Um, Devontae Graham's contract, things of that nature, I think that's what you probably see, which is why I think the Pels do keep that draft pick, because it's not uh, in the extension range in terms of dollars, you know? No doubt. I, I yes, and, and you, you hit it out the park last year. Go that route again. You've got plenty of future draft assets in the future if you need to make a play during the season or something like that. But you're not going to know exactly how this roster works until you see Zion on the floor, how he's working with the others, and I, I, to make a big move in the draft I, I don't know i just i don't think it's the right move for where this franchise currently is to your point espn lafayette the best ticket in sports gus gagio our saints and pelicans correspondent our guest right now uh on the airwaves 
Uh, anything else from the world of the NBA or the Pels that has stood out to you this week before we move on to the Saints? Um, I think the thing that's been interesting to me, Scott, is just really the excitement that and honestly still sort of continues with this team. And I almost feel like I've lost, uh, you know, not, not a friend. So like I, I missed watching them. Like I, I've, I've been watching the games, obviously, and I'm still a fan. But you know, um, it, it kind of stinks. And I like this. I like that feeling of sort of like when the Saints are in the playoffs, you know, or they get eliminated. It, it, it becomes tough to watch the conference championship games or the Super Bowl. You know, does that make sense? I just, um, and then when you watch the way sort of um, these teams have moved on. But I've also been noticing Scott, which is why. I guess I'll be focusing on it through June 23rd and free agency when it starts on August 2nd, dude. You better have some guys that can knock down threes, right? I mean, it was crazy to see Dallas in game one against the Warriors. They they were just going to come heck of high water, shoot the three. They're going to live and die by the three, right? I think it was one of the things that hurt Phoenix, that they actually were making a bunch of those threes. But I I think when you look at the difference that that shot makes, and in the postseason especially, I I just think adding three-point shooting somehow, some way, is something you have to do. Like, if you don't do it and you can't do it, I just think you're toast. I mean, Dallas attempted 48 threes. They only made 11. Um, what was it when they made it? Um, or, or in Boston beat Milwaukee, Scott, over the weekend? They attempted 55. I mean, they, like, they, they, teams yeah. are just going to jack up shots from behind the arc and and play literally just the mathematics game. I mean, it's crazy because they only made one more than the Warriors, 10 of 29. So it wasn't like that was that much of the difference. They just shot poorly from the field. You know, Dallas shot, what, 35, 36%, Warriors 56. So, look, it, it comes down to make or missing. So, to me, the reason why I'm bringing this up is you can see it in the celtics Buck series. You can see it in that game seven, as you're saying. Phoenix could hit a shot. Devin Booker, Scott, went 0 for 8 in three-pointers combined in He's game three six of, and seven. You, yeah, you, yeah. He was awful. You can't do that. So, I find that's why, look, it, most of our callers and me um, all agree. On June 23rd, the NBA draft, Whoever's the best shooter that's available. <laughs> you got to find shooting. You have to have a guy that can shoot. And that's why it was so important. Scott, look at what Trey Murphy did mm-hmm. in the last month of the season in the postseason because he could knock down. He became the best statistical three point shooter the Pels had. You don't think that was important? A guy that barely played a good almost half of the season. But at that time, in April and in May, I think you have got to find a guy that can come off the bench and it is more often than not a bucket. And whether that's creating a bucket and driving or preferably a three. So, look, the Pels got a couple of draft picks, right? You have not only the first round pick, but you have two picks in the second round, 41 and 52. You probably sell 52 for cash. 41, I do the same thing. You know, um, whether it's a stash guy or, or something of that nature. Go, look, you didn't think Herb Jones was going to help you, and he was a second-round pick. So that's why you have the Birmingham League. Find a guy that's either a rim protector. Find a guy that literally just he hasn't seen a three-point shot he doesn't like. I'm fine with that. Just 
That, that's what you need with that second round pick. You, you can't. I, I don't want them to go back what they used to and you know sell picks for cash and just literally act like that second round pick doesn't matter because I think you can find value in the world. And basketball is a global sport. And this is how I feel. If you can't find in two rounds a guy that can help you do something on your team, that's shame on you. I mean, it, literally, that's shame on you. In Europe and overseas, they shoot threes left and right. They got ball handlers. They got defenders. They got length. They find somebody that can do something for you, either this year or develop in the future. Because, you know, CJ is not the youngest guy, which is why a lot of people sort of like, um, you know, um, Mathern from, from Arizona. I mean, it, it, you know, like you can pick somebody this year that, you know, you, you hope maybe a starter for you in two, three seasons. It can be a guy that can contribute. So I think there's a lot of options. And I think when you watch the playoffs, those are some of the things that kind of stood out to me in the NBA so far. Good stuff. Gus has been our guest, ESPN Latvia. We got him for one more segment. Want to talk about the Saints and a little bit about Nick Saban and uh, the comments he made that we talked about yesterday that certainly have got the uh, sports world talking. Uh, after that, we will speak to uh, Bobby Naval a little later on, talk Cajun softball there to Clemson Regional today, taking on Auburn. UL played last night. We'll get into some college baseball talk and last night's NBA game between Miami and Boston. We'll dig into that in the 8 o'clock hour. Up next, Spicy Saban and the Saints, all with our friend Gus Cagnell. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Friend? I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott Show, Gus Kangel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent on with us for one more segment, Pronola segment. We'll talk a little uh, Diamond Sports, UL, NBA playoffs, and more in the 8 o'clock hour. But right now, Gus, before we get into the Saints, Nick Saban pointing out some things about name, image, and likeness that he... Honestly, he made some good points. I'm not going to say he didn't. And the crux of what he was saying makes sense. It's also Nick Saban, in some regards, whining about maybe advantages he didn't have. At one point saying, you know, the great thing about college sports is it's always been equal. Well, we know that's a flat-out lie. And, you know, you had some former Bama players talking about things they were offered to play there years ago before NIL was even around. So, as usual, you have this juicy story that has some elements of, well, he makes a good point, other elements of, yeah, you should probably just shut up. Um, Saban, 
saying Texas A&M uh, bought all of their players and that Jackson State did as well, which Deion Sanders says that's a flat-out lie. Um, they didn't say Jackson State bought all their players. He mentioned one. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts about Saban's comments, and what is it about this guy who's arguably the greatest college football coach ever that, man, when he says something, it just he's a lightning rod, you know what I mean? Well, that's why. I mean, there's a lightning rod for a couple of reasons. One, how many national championships has he won? Um, he's a lightning rod because his teams are probably going to be involved in a national championship. Um, they basically turn out NFL players left and right, and I mean that's a place where everyone sort of wants to go. I think people think it's also lightning rod because it's the same reason people hated Brady and the Patriots because they won a lot. I mean, I just, for some reason, people feel that way, right? I mean, I think Brady's personality has been great since been at Tampa. My wife hates him. I'm like, why do you hate him? I, he's just smart. Like, it's wet. It's just, again, it's what the perception is. I, I think the first thing I took when I saw that story come out and I listened to the sound bites, and I mean, his answer was about seven and a half minutes long. All calculated. On NIL and yeah. All, those all calculated. He, was, um, he, he, he had been waiting to oh, say 100%. all of that. Yeah. Look, and I, I do think because he is one of the coaches that has the biggest names or one of the biggest names and top programs in college football, um, it does have weight, right? I mean, it does have weight. Um, I also think, like, to your point, it, it, it's two sides to it. You can look at it and go, what are you talking about, man? Alabama has boosters and supporters that do that. As you mentioned, former players have come out and said, look, we got this, but Scott, again, sort of like when I was talking about the Saints and when I get to it with you and had to calm you down, you know, when when people talk about injury or players and who's available, you can apply that to everybody, okay? When I was at Southern Miss in, in what, 94, when they finally got ranked, uh, 94, 95, and I graduated in 98, we had three players that went to the league, Adalis Thomas, Todd Pinkston, who was a receiver for the uh, the Eagles and Patrick Sertain, the dad, not the kid, which is how old I am. You know, and then the, the day that the season ended, I mean, they're driving Lexus. So, I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, it, it happens everywhere. Marlon favorite people that I've talked to that went to LSU. I mean, we hear all the stories. I mean, so everybody got a little something, uh, one way, shape, or form. Um, what, what the difference is, I, I think, and, and what he was trying to say, or maybe not trying to say, and he's doing it on purpose. I, I get it. Like you said, Scott, I mean, it, everything is for a reason. Like, sort of like when Sean Payton and Drew Brees speak there as well. He, here's the thing that I've always said when this started with NIL. I, I, I hear you when people say players should be compensated. I'm all on board for name, image, and likeness where you can get compensated if, you know, you're, but I've always said this. As far back as cavemen to now, when is it enough? Like, you will never hear anyone say whatever money you are getting is enough. We'll never hear that. We'll never feel that the salary we make is enough. We'll never hear that anything. It's never enough because you're always going to want more or think you deserve more. So that's always going to be a problem with money. Secondly, when you look at distributing it and where it comes from, and I get it's easy for fans and media members that feel players are being used or all this other stuff, the money they're bringing in, and they're looking at 
one side of the ledger or they're looking at a number, sort of like the Yahoos that didn't vote for Herb Jones, first team, all rookie team in the made the second team. Nine of the voters didn't even have on the slide because they'd probably just look at the points and don't think of anything else that they add to it. So it's easy to look at how much money does Duke basketball bring? How much money does Alabama football bring? Yeah, I got you. Do you think, though, of all of the other aspects that come with that money that makes that comes with it, right? Like the salaries for the coaches, the staff, the facilities you build, all of those different things. I see it differently because, as you, Scott, recovering the Cajuns and myself with Tulane, we either travel with the team, we're part of that, we see what it costs. You know, like, obviously, maybe you don't think about it, but when we travel, it's a couple of thousand for bags. You know, just because they charge you for bags. I know you may not think that, but not every team charters. The charters, somebody's paying for that. The school does. Like when Bama and the RCC teams do, which absolutely is a recruiting tool, somebody is paying those charters, which are seventy to $90,000 a flight. So, like, when you start thinking about that, the meals, the free smoothies, the, you know, facilities that. Now, to compete, quote-unquote, you have to have, like, the bowling alleys, the barbershop. Somebody has to pay for that. So that's where some of that money comes from. That's why I've always said, look, you can't think that every school is going to be able to cut a check for a player. So that's why, to me, NIL makes sense if that kid makes, you know, is one of the stars of the team and sells the jersey or somebody wants to put him in a commercial, that's fine. The problem, like I said, when this started, though, is, that's absolutely going to be used as a way to recruit you and do that. It, it, absolutely. So now you have collectives, which is what he was talking about. So you essentially go around town to get a group of businesses together. We all pile in the money, and that's how we agree to get Scott Prather and Carver to, to come play over there. We're going to guarantee you you're going to you know, go to a car dealership, and uh, parents are going to get taken care of. That's part of your sponsorship. And also, you're going to come sign some stuff one Saturday a month, but we're going to give you $150,000. So, again, though, that's to one player. That's not to everybody on the team. And I've always wondered that. Like, at some point, when you walk in that locker room and only two or three of those guys are, you know, driving the cars, making the money, doing all those things, and you're not, and you feel like you should be. And maybe what happens at some point in time, like Scott, when we do our businesses and we do our sponsorships, if we don't bring in ratings or we don't bring in traffic and they don't get the money, what happens? We lose that sponsorship. But what if that kid doesn't play? Like, what's to say if that eventually comes? I just think that's maybe where Nick is also going. Bama's going to be Bama. A&M's going to be A&M. The SEC is going to find a way to get players, pay for players, raise the money. I think what part of that message is, yes, to – rat out Jimbo, but also is, uh, again, the canyon of separation between the haves and have-nots are, um, are monsters. Like UL, Southern Miss, Tulane. Right. It's why when Saban says, oh, it's always been equal, is, yeah. is, I mean, is absurd. Yeah. So Saban's Absolutely. point about the issues with NIL of, look, it should be about players that get there and then earn it versus, well, you've got it no matter what. He he's not wrong, but you're at Alabama, dude. Like you've got all kind of advantages. And Jimbo yesterday literally just came out and said, 
uh, you know, his exact quotes, I have them in front of me. He calls the press conference at 10. He says, his comments, he said, it's despicable. We're taking shots at 17-year-old kids. We never bought anyone. When he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way, go dig into Saban's past. It's despicable. It's personal to us, and I know the guy really well. Well, he worked with him. He said that Nick Saban tried to call him last night, and Jimbo said, and I quote, I didn't take the call. We're done. He's the greatest ever. When you have all the advantages, it's easy. I mean, Dude, this is Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's defamation trial. They they got nothing on Jimbo versus Nick right now. You know, but, but I'll say this, Scott. Scott, and I'll say this not to interrupt you, but you know, listening to stuff here around that time, you know, in February and in December, the LSU loss that went to A and M, and Matt Muscona on his show detailed. Saban ain't wrong. No, listen, Saban is it wrong? And Jimbo was absurd whenever yeah. he was saying, "Look, there's probably a no, few players they didn't." Too. It's it's all, about, it's all about it's all about over the correct correct. A and M does have the fund from boosters that they can use to uh, create a uh, you know a service that gets these kids NIL deals. And yes, when 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 Jimbo says it, our number one recruiting class has nothing to do with NIL, he's lying to himself or he's lying through his teeth, one or the other. Maybe he's in complete denial. I'm not even I'm not even taking sides here. I just I like a good old-fashioned Jerry Springer episode between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban because both are hypocritical in some regards. Uh, Jimbo's saying, I don't cheat and I don't lie. You can call me anything you want to call me, but you can't call me a cheater. Um, whatever. Uh, what, what else did he say about Nick Saban? He says, when you walk on water, I guess it doesn't matter. He's talking about Nick Saban's comments about soliciting money. He's like, didn't he make those comments to a crowd of people that were asking, you know, that he was trying to get money from? I mean, I, I, I as far as off season SEC stuff goes, oh my God, you don't think, you don't think the SEC network and ESPN are loving this right now? It's the number one story on the website, right? Um, on Thursday, it was talked about throughout the day. Mind you, the PGA Championship round one, you had Tiger, Spieth, and McElroy in the opening. Uh, you know, Scott, to, here's what it boils down to, right? There's a conversation I have with my buddies from Southern Miss that, you know, we get together every year and do a lake house weekend trip, and we do all this and we talk about it. Um you don't recognize college sports right now we're, to, to the level like we were, Scott, and you're around the same age as me. It is absolutely big business. It is absolutely about that. Um, look, we just finished the lottery. We're thinking about the draft, too. Your NBA teams are projecting now where players are going to be when they're drafting people, because when you look to the right of their names, they're primarily all freshmen, maybe some sophomores, very rarely you even get to a junior or senior. Um, And, you know, you have a guy that we talked about earlier this week, Shaden Sharp, didn't play a minute at Kentucky. Left high school early, was going to play in last year, he was going to red shirt because he was still young. Now he's going to come, hasn't played, Second, says Kentucky because he committed there and he was there. He was with the team, but he never played. And somebody is likely going to take him in the top five. And I had three guests on this week that would love him for the Pelicans. I have no idea how he is. He didn't play against the Tigers. Didn't play against, you know, a directional school. I have no idea. I'm going off of tape against a high school kid. That's, that's where you are, though, because – the one-and-done stuff that happened several years ago, which to me changed high school basketball. You have to draft a player 
and hoping three to four years' time, he's what you would have gotten, say, 15, 20 years ago. But that's, that's where it is. College football is unrecognizable from that standpoint where it's – I mean, they, these guys can't even get together and agree that they need to open it up, the playoff and all that. I know you and I have had this discussion on that because guess what? The same yahoos that are arguing, Fisher and, you know, I know they, you know Dabo said the same thing about two weeks ago about NIL. You have a statement. Guess what? Those four teams, Ohio State, USC now, which, you know, their head coach – it's going to be the same schools every single year, every single year. And I love the Cajun. I love the way they got no shot at national championship. None. They could go undefeated and you're still going to have people. Well, they didn't play the cut because you can't get in. So, you know, it, it just, it baffles me when coaches or universities talk about fairness, when quite honestly, it's not fair. They make sure it's not fair for a lot of different people. So, you know, when certain schools try to, Make sure they make more money by getting the best players, and now the players are getting more money, but other schools don't like how it's going about it. Now you're going to claim unfairness. It just it, it, it makes you turn it off for a sec, bro. I'll be honest with you. Like it, it got to the point where we've had discussions where, like, you know, I, it, it, I almost feel like with pro sports, at the very least, you have salary caps and you have – like the NFL's done it right, and they, and they have issues, but – you know, I was talking earlier in the week about Major League Baseball and why I was so disappointed they didn't do a um, a salary cap in the last CBA. Scott, I mean, that, you're a Met fan and you guys spent whatever and the Cubs spent whatever. And, you know, the Pirates went through a week this week when it went three games without scoring a run and had the second lowest payroll of 40-something million. And yet the Dodgers had the highest of 288. That's not even the – I mean, that's why the sports are watchable. I mean, that's why you have games like that. Like, at least the NFL, here's your cap. you got to spend it. Same thing with the NBA. Here's your cap. You have to spend that money. And that's the thing with college football, and that's why I think the coaches are chirping. And I think it's going to affect at some point in time you, the fan, Scott, because I don't know about you, but I know some people try to go to, like, a, an LSU game. It's more than a Saints game. And you have to either do TAS or you have to do, you know, seat packages or pay a certain amount. I mean, Southern Miss does that too. You want to park within five miles of the stadium. You have to, you know, be a member on this and an Eagle fund and all. So again, it, 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 the cost, just like everything else, dude, it is going to come back to you one way, shape or form. Uh, all these sponsorships, all these things the schools have to do and, I mean, it's going to come back to you at some point. It, you know, again, it's, it's going to be expensive and that fan experience and where it is now. I mean, you're, you're sitting in the upper deck. I mean, me, family of whatever, with the job I do, I can't sit between the 40-yard lines and lower bowl at an NBA game. I couldn't do it if I couldn't get in. I'm just being honest with you. Right. I mean, a seat's a buck something, you know, 100-something dollars. I can't do that. So I, I just I think sports overall, man, it's easy to say this guy deserves this kind of money or this or that, but at some point it's going to be tough to even support it, sponsor it, see it, attend it. And and quite honestly, when it gets so much about money, it's going to be a turnoff to people. It's going to be a turnoff. You know, like you said, millionaire coaches and gazillionaire programs squabbling. I mean, think about it. A&M and, and, and Alabama calling each other 
unfair is a joke. It's an absolute joke saying that it's unfair for the either one, you know? It feels like a fight on mean girls between, like, the mean girls. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... The, like, popular girls in school that are fighting over a little... That, that's what it comes off as. And yet I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, give, give me give me my popcorn, man. I mean, Jimbo Fisher calling his old friend and boss a narcissist and saying some people thinks they're a god. It's like... Whoa. But Jimbo's point of we've never had parody, especially when some people never follow the rules to begin with. Like, ouch. At least Jimbo's saying we never had parody. But on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, you work with Nick, too. So you're kind of putting yourself in this. It's all it's all very much, you know, them complaining about who's following the rules and who's not. It's like, come on, guys. Like, is this is this what we're doing? And yet the other part of me, Gus, is sitting back like, Heck yeah, it is. Uh, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott. That is Gus Cotton. All right, before we let you run, Gus, you made a comment earlier about me flipping out about the Saints earlier in the offseason and being very negative and you telling me to calm down. Um, You're not wrong. That happened. <laughs> I was, listen, I, I, I was very, the Saints weren't doing anything to improve their offense. And I still think they have some question marks there. Um, at tight end and running back after Kamara, even though I love my guy Mark Ingram, but he's old and Kamara's probably might miss some time with the suspension. But, you know, since those rants, I mean, they, they drafted Alave. They drafted Trevor Penning. They, they signed Jarvis Landry. I mean, that only happened a week ago, and yet, you know, so much happened last week in, uh, in the sporting world, including Drew Brees, um, you know, saying some things in jest on social media that by the time I got in here on Monday morning, somehow Jarvis Landry was already kind of an old story, but... Uh, you look at the NFC, man, um, there's a couple of good teams. There's a lot of trash teams. Uh, the Saints were 9-8 and eight last year with a horrendous offense. They've improved in some regards there. And they have Will Lutz back, which I think is a big thing that was missing last year for Saints special teams that was really good outside of field goal kicking. They had a carousel there, and guys just came in and were terrible. So... The team is better, and yet you look at a lot of the betting boards, and they have the Saints, even after the Landry signing. You know, your over-under win total was less than what they had last year. Um, am I, I I am more optimistic, certainly, about the Saints than I was, you know, uh, a month you know ago, whenever you were saying I needed to calm down. So I'll give you that. But the addition of Jarvis Landry and your thoughts on the Saints offseason to this point, and then we'll let you run. Um. <clears throat> Look, I, I'll i start with why I kept telling you to calm down and just having, I guess, I wouldn't even say faith or confidence. It was just more of, um, as we talked about it back in the day, Scott, I I just look at what this team is and what I mean. And, and what I mean by that is there's a reason that they went with Dennis Allen and not a new coach, right? There's a reason for the most part they stayed in-house. Pete Carmichael is just going to have more responsibility and be the play caller. Um I knew they brought in Doug Marone. I think he's going to help that offensive line. I knew that in this draft, two areas were deep per the draft experts. That was receiver and offensive line. Those are two areas of massive concern on the offensive side of football, which you had fear on, and rightly so. I believe, and especially after, you know, you find out that Dennis Allen flew to Malibu to talk with Michael Thomas, that bringing him back at 50% of what he was was better than anything. 
and he hasn't played in a year. So, again, barring the fact that the guy hasn't walked or ran or worked out in a year, he's going to be back in shape. I, I, I can't imagine that he isn't one way, shape, or form. Last I saw the guy, he still looks like he has 2% body fat, right? I mean, we remember what he does when he catches the ball and he flexes. So that guy, because I get this all the time. It's not just you, Scott, and I'm not even referring it to you, but I get this on a day-to-day basis. I don't know what kind of Michael Thomas is going to get back. What Michael Thomas? What have you not paid attention? Even if he doesn't want to be here, which seems to be what a lot of people feel around here for some reason, is if that's the case, you know the best way to get out? Play well. You know the best way to get out? Prove you're one of the top receivers. You know the best way to get paid? Prove you're one of the top receivers in the league. I mean, and, and again, judging by his time here, this isn't a guy that we worried about Does he have pizza at night, right? I mean, this is a guy that completely, per Drew Brees, plays every down like the Super Bowl. And the, the problem, quote-unquote, he had in the locker room was with CD Deuce who gets under everybody's skin. So I, 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 I don't have that apprehension that Michael Thomas is not going to give it his all or hasn't worked out or isn't going to be healthy. It, again, like the Zion, it behooves both parties to make sure that it works. It behooves both parties. So I, I didn't have that apprehension. So I felt, Scott, if Thomas comes back, the offensive line coach, who, by the way, was also an offensive coordinator here when he first started with Sean Payton and a head coach, that that can help Pete Carmichael. That can help Dennis Allen. He's going to be able to help offensive linemen that didn't have growth in last year. And look, it is to look at the two things that Dennis Allen did when he first got here. The, co- the changes on the coaching staff, wide receiver coach and O-line coach. And those two areas were terrible last year. And, and I'm not saying it was Curtis or not. You know, that O-line was a young guy that hadn't really had that experience. So you bring in Marone and let's see what happens. I, I think he's going to help that offensive line get better. I, I don't think there's a better guy to teach Trevor Penning. Uh, what's going on with that. So if the O-line, which last year played a game where, as you mentioned, Scott, in the last several weeks, started a guy that got dressed and fitted for equipment that night against the Dolphins, didn't play many games with Ryan Ramchek or Teron Armstead, didn't play most of their games at Andres Peden. I get it. I call him, but he's still your starter at guard. Like, when I'm thinking all of that, and you had your right guard play center for most of the season, um, if you just avoid that and missing a game because of COVID with, with, your, with your staff, missing a game because of COVID and playing with your flag football team, and they miss the playoffs by a game. Like, I, 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 58 starters, four quarterbacks, you had nine wins. Looking at it on paper – and I'm seeing what's coming back. I'm seeing the potential what you can on draft. And then if you just get some pieces in free agency, I don't know how you're not at least the same, if not better. So that, that's where my confidence came in and why I kept saying, you know, breathe, because you, you essentially have the philosophy in place. This team has a philosophy in place. You know, Ireland didn't leave. You, you knew Kyle Harley was, was still there. They're going to manage the cap. There was no reason to get – Worried about they got under a hundred and something two years ago. Seventy this year was nothing, and you saw they did it. Um, Ireland's done really good with the draft picks. 
you basically have another first-round draft pick at right end in Peyton Turner. He didn't not perform. He didn't not pan out. He was injured last year. So if he's not injured most of the season, you got a first-round defensive end on the right. I'm telling you, in the practices I saw, that guy I think is just as good, if not better, than Davenport kind of came on. You shouldn't be without David Onyemano for six the games that you start this year. So when you keep looking at those things, that's always how I like, just breathe and trust what they have done the last several years. And lo and behold, look at it. And I had gotten little birdies, you know, for about three to four weeks that had told me, look, Matthew and Landry were going to be post-draft day signings because that way you don't have to do the compensation with draft picks if before that. So I might have known a little something, Scott, before that. But even still, I mean, I, I think Marcus Mays in the same neighborhood as Marcus Williams, and you have depth at that side of the football. And the other reason I'm so confident is, last I checked, that defense was probably a large reason you won nine games. They're back. Um the fact that I'm not even harping on Quan Alexander not being with the team just yet, maybe later, I don't know. But I, I, I think they got tremendous depth and good players up front. You've got a solid secondary. You know your number two corner. You added guys like Alante Taylor, who everybody seems to rave about that I've talked to. Um, receiving core is incredible, to be honest with you. You have guys that can run routes. I, I don't know how else to look at that. I just... That is a that is a massive key. If Taysom Hill just doesn't fumble a ball when it's handed to him, tossed to him, you can use him like Debo Samuel and the 49ers did. There's a lot of different things, and I understand. Well, I don't know how many games I miss any. He may miss six, he may miss four, he may miss two, he may miss none. I mean, we thought Marshawn Lattimore was a goner. He didn't miss a game last year. So I don't know. I, I, I know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I, I don't know why we keep thinking Mark Ingram can't they'll perform for a game. Um, plus, here's the other aspect of it. When you didn't have a good receiving core, the loss of Alvin Kamara was massive, right? It's like Brandon Ingram to the Pelicans, Scott, without C.J. McCullum or Zion. Like, it's, it's a death sentence. I mean, you're just good luck because you had no, nothing, right? But if Kamara doesn't play, I, I have, in theory, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, who, again, everybody says the guy is just an NFL professional route runner, which means he can get open. And he has 4-3 speed. I feel like no one keeps breaking that up. The guy has 4-3 speed. Like, he can actually catch and run with the ball. Um, and you have Jarvis Landry, who's a five-time Pro Bowl receiver. The, the, that's not what you had last year. So if Alvin misses two games, four games, absolutely it's an impact. But it's not like all of a sudden – you have nothing on the offensive side. So, Scott, not only did I think we needed patience, but I'm over here, I'm thinking they're an NFC contending team. Like, I'm not saying they'd win, but I, I, I think, barring, again, unforeseen things, I don't see why this team can't be one of the teams if you got national people absolutely giving the NFC East title to Jalen Hurts, who they're about to move on from in Philly. They thought the coach was going to be fired before they ran a couple of games last year in the win column. They're giving them the, the NFC East. They're saying that, that you know, the, um, the Bucks are in or 
Rodgers, who lost Adams, is going to be the same offense. All these different things. If they're ready to say that, well, then I'm absolutely ready to say Jameis won't fumble the football, can deliver it properly. The offense probably would still be good. So why aren't they one of those teams that can get in the postseason and make a run? Why not? Like, I, I don't see, when I look at receiving cores, when I look at defensive lines, when I look at secondaries, when I look at coaching staff, why can't they compete? So not only did I think that they were going to make decent moves and they were going to, you know, be a team that we have seen the last couple of years, but I, I would genuinely think they're a team that can contend in the NFC. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, it wouldn't be like 17 06. I was like, well, where did this come from? I, I, I don't see that. Cam Jordan, a couple weeks ago, he said it, Scott. 13 win team they should have been last year. He thinks they're at least a 13 win team this year. That's inside the locker room. That's not me. That's what they believe. So I absolutely think they can win the division. And if you can win the division with that schedule, with your play, well, then you've earned it and you're good. That's what I'm getting at. ESPN had the power rankings this week, and they got the Saints at 20. They have the Dolphins at 19. They got the Niners at 18. They got teams that are – they got the Eagles ahead of the Saints. Okay? Those are all teams, the Rams, the Bucks. Those are all teams the Saints have to play. They got the Raiders ahead of the Saints. That's a team the Saints have to play. They got the Bengals ahead of the Saints. That's a team they got to play. So if that, my, my, my point is if they win the NFC South, that means they would have had probably 10, 11 wins, minimum. And that means they would have beaten teams right now currently ahead of them in the power rankings. If they can beat those teams I just mentioned and win the division, they're absolutely an NFC contending team. Big stuff from Gus Cattengill. I don't have enough time to respond to all of it, but we will in the coming weeks. Trust me. Great stuff as always, my friend. I know we got to let you run, but I uh, appreciate the time. Guys, follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 at G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. Check out the Sports Hangover ESPN 100.3 weekdays from noon to 3 p.m. Gus, man, as always, my friend, I appreciate the time. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff from Gus Cattengill. Coming up, more of the great Scott Show. We'll open up phone lines in the next segment as we uh, continue into the 8 o'clock hour. Last night's Heat-Celtics game, today's UL softball game against Auburn, UL baseball against Little Rock, and Jimbo Fisher cutting a promo on Nick Saban. My God, it was 10 minutes of just one thing after another. Listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You can, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Yeah, that's one you. thing you don't. Now you're fooling with our name. That don't, if it's Texas A&M's name, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. I'll put it with any of them. Front left, Olin. Uh, Coach SEC. I, don't, I ain't into that. I wasn't raised that way. Yeah, Jimbo, SEC spring meetings are coming up, the media days in a couple of months, and then October 8th. What do you think? That's uh, Is it, it going to be awkward? And awkward about what? When you have to face it or have to? I don't mind to... confrontation. <clears throat> Live with it my whole life. Kind of like it myself. Anything else, uh, Rob and then Travis? Backing away from it wasn't the way I was raised. I mean, Jimbo's basically just saying, all right, let's, let's go, man. Let's fight. Come on now. 
See down, see down at SEC media days. It's going down. It's going down. Holy cow. Man, they, they could charge pay-per-view prices for that entry. The thing is now, they're going to go to SEC media days, and that's all Jimbo and Nick's going to be asked about. How many times before Nick just snaps like, I'd have already addressed this. I've talked about it. I, I, I'm done answering these questions, please. Talking about our team. And, you know, if you listen to what I said, focusing on this, that's going to happen. Quickly on UL softball, taking on Auburn today at the Clemson Regional. That's coming your way. Tail end of the 8 o'clock hour. Open phone lines next. More of Fisher's Rant. It's a Friday on the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL, Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ, Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN, ESPN, Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Give me all you got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Phone lines now open 337-269-1077. Cajuns couldn't do anything offensively last night over at Russo Park. Hayden Arnold, Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year in 2021. He was good. Cajuns couldn't get it going. Shut out 2 nothing. They'll look to uh, take game two tonight with a chance to win the series Saturday, but got to take care of business. Fourth consecutive loss for Louisiana. Tonight's game over on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Rage Occasion softball from the Clemson Regional. Taking on Auburn today. Scheduled 1.30 first pitch. We will visit with Bobby Nava in about uh, 30 minutes. Color analysts for Cajun softball and dig into the keys to today's game, the regional, being a three seed, all of that. You can email me, scott at espnlafayette.com. Sport enjoys the uh, Jimbo Fisher impersonation. You know what part of this is, is Jimbo and Nick, they're just, these guys are from West Virginia, man. Almost heaven. Don't talk trash or I'll fight you. These two claim to be friends for many years. Many years. Used to work together at LSU. Dynamic was friendly but very competitive. And then this week, the ugliest public coaching rift in SEC history just absolutely erupted. To which Saban did what I expected him to do, say, you know, I shouldn't have called out anybody by name, but 
you know, my point about NIL still stands the same. Apologizing, kind of. And I don't think Jimbo, or for that matter, Deion Sanders accepted it. Now, Deion, I think, I think Coach Prime did a he, – he just said, look, Nick was talking to uh, his boosters. He was in a room full of Bama boosters. That's who he was talking to. He wasn't talking to me. Because it's not true what he said. It's a flat-out lie. Uh, Jimbo, of course, went on a lot longer. But clearly – there was friction building between a couple of old 70-year-olds for a while. Calling him a narcissist, calling him, you know, God thinks he's God. We should look into things God did. Might not like what you see there. Somebody should slap him. That West Virginia mentality, man. Just going at it all the time. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Now, Jimbo's not 70. Nick is. Jimbo, I think Jimbo's in his, what, his 50s? How old is Jimbo now? Fifty-six. I don't know why. Doesn't he feel older? Doesn't he feel older? Deke emails... Scott, how much do you think this will carry over into the season? While the SEC publicly reprimanded him, how much will CBS make a wrestling-like promo about it? Oh, you can book it. Guaranteed. It's happening. It's happening. You're going to be seeing that thing all week leading up to that. Oh, they'll, wait, I don't, who, where does, I'm not even sure who plays where this year. I think it's in Tuscaloosa, right? A&M beat Alabama in College Station last year. Yeah, they'll they'll have college game day there. They'll make a whole thing about it, and the SEC publicly reprimands the two of them, which does absolutely nothing. You want to talk about the most irrelevant punishment? Hey, guys, don't do that. I mean, it's like when my kid's acting up. I asked my son to stop doing something. He's annoying one of his sisters. Maybe he's pestering them. It's, like, it's it basically it's the equivalent of me being like, Hey, 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 cut it out. And then going back on to whatever I'm working on. But that's, that's, that's all the SEC did yesterday. That's it. Greg Sankey doesn't know what to do. Mike Slive was good at the whole uh, honor among thieves. Let's not, let's just, let's keep it cordial publicly. Let's not do anything on the record. Greg Sankey, not so much. By the way, Travis Hunter Jr., nice job, young man. The number one overall recruit who went to Jackson State, who Nick Saban was referencing, got a million dollars to go play for him. Said, I got a mill? Laugh emoji. But my mom still stays in a three-bedroom house with five kids? Yeah. Dion, I don't even make a million. LOL, LOL, LOL. There was a rumor when he first signed that Barstool was going to give him an NIL deal that would pay him, and it turns out none of that actually is true. 
Saban is coming across like somebody that just read something on Facebook four months ago, didn't do more research, and then just let that one rip. Now, the A&M stuff, okay, there's, yeah, they're following the rules. He doesn't like the rules. He's bitter about it. He's sour. But, yeah, the SEC public reprimand, whatever that means. SEC bylaws 10.2.3 and 10.5.2 related to ethical conduct for derogatory comments and public criticism of another institution's institution's athletic program. What comes with a public reprimand? Um, Nothing. Nothing. They've been, we were reprimanded. Hey, 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 guys, come on. Come on now. Cut it out. Cut it out. It's not even a slap on the wrist. You're not even writing the kid's name on the board at school. Hey, hey, hey. Cue the, the Kawhi Leonard meme. Hey, hey, hey. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket at sports. Three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Preakness happening, and your noble steed, winner of the Kentucky Derby, did exactly what he should have done. Rich Strike and his team was like, "Now nah, we're not going to race. We're not. We don't care about the Triple Crown. We're not racing in this. No, we're good. We're good." Rich, I wouldn't be surprised if Rich Strike just hit up Vegas after the Derby and is still there, enjoying the stud life. Had his big moment to have a single moment and just ride off of that. Some have done it. What is the what is the human athlete equivalent to it? I don't know. It's a good question. In a good way, when you have a big moment, in a good way because. You know, Timmy Green had an incredible Super Bowl, but Washington blew out Denver in the game, and so it's kind of like, hey, remember that guy that had that big Super Bowl and never played again? I guess, but you remember more about Doug Williams and other aspects of that Super Bowl. David Tyree, the catch. That's what you remember about him, no doubt. He was a a four-string receiver, a special teamer, and he still gets his name in the news from time to time because he had that one big moment. But it's really not, I, it's not like what happened with Rich Strike. I don't know. I, I'm trying to come up with the human athlete counterpart, and I'm having trouble finding something that fits. You can find examples here or there. Guys that had big moments that were kind of backups and nobodies. Marcus Smart, not a nobody, right? Turns out he was pretty important. Turns out the Celtics could have used him. I mean, he crossed stress last night and made him look like a fool. Boston, that that was that, that game wasn't even worth watching last night. Fifty-seven to twenty-seven. When Grant Williams was on the floor. The C- the series is now even. Al Horford and Marcus Smart, who were both back after game one, played really well. 
And as Bam Adebayo said, look, they came out and hit us in the mouth. Now, not going to overreact to this one just like you want to overreact to game one. So much of this is when you get hot from beyond the arc, good luck. I mean, Miami, they, they, they couldn't hit anything. Boston was, what, 20 or 40 from three-point range? They won by 25, and I did not stay up to watch it because the game was over early in the first half. It just was. Jimmy Butler was 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 great. Everyone else was bad. Game Vincent was okay. Meanwhile, Boston was just getting contributions from everyone. And looked really, really good. And so now here you go. Marcus Smart. I mean, just, just an incredible return. He, he could have had a triple-double if he had stayed in there a little bit longer. Smart takes a lot of heat. He does. He doesn't get enough credit for the things he brings to the table. And when he started hitting shots, I get it. Sometimes he hits a few shots and then he gets in his head, oh, man, I can make them all. I'm just going to keep going. I, I, get, I get that happens sometimes. But he's an incredible defender and a big piece of what Boston does. But there were, I mean, Tyler Hero, Dwayne Dedman, Caleb Martin, Victor Oladipo, they were, they were awful last night. Meanwhile, the Celtics role players were great. I mean, that was the difference. It wasn't like Jimmy Butler was bad. Now, can the Heat win game three? Yeah. Yeah. Butler and Adebayo need to be aggressive early. Stop feeling out the flow of the game. Just go for it. And I don't think Boston's going to shoot from three-point range. They're not going to go 20 of 40 in game three. They shot 50% from three-point range on 40 attempts. Meanwhile, the Heat were like 28% from beyond the arc. And they, they chucked up a lot of them too. Boston got run out the building in game one of their series against Milwaukee and then did the same thing to the Bucks in game two. We've seen this story before. Is this series going to go the distance? I'm for it. I love the idea that the NBA is not. They decided we're not taking any nights off. We're broadcasting one game of the conference finals each night. No gaps. We will have those games for you each night on our airwaves, ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. When Smart and Horford are being the playmakers they were last night, now Jason Tatum has some freedom to roam. And that's kind of what's happening with Mavericks Warriors, right? When the superstars, when they have a bad game, everyone's going to pile on, right? We saw it with Chris Paul. Should have been Devin Booker as well. But the majority of these playoff series are won and lost with the role players because most of the time, the superstars, they'll come to play. They play well. Jimmy Butler played well last night. He lost by 25. They were terrible. Look at the role players. In each game, right? Look at the role players. See, Luka Dantich is the guy for Dallas. The guy. And when the role players for Dallas hit shots in the first half, whenever they're making outside shots, Luka is able to do Luka stuff late in the game. If it's a single-digit game, he can go to work. 
But if the role players are struggling and now it's Dallas and they're down 12 points and it's the fourth quarter and they're not, the, 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 the Warriors aren't worried at all about anyone else on Dallas lighting them up from the outside and they are able to just stick on Luka. Well, Luka's not going to be able to do it, as good as he is. Look at the games where Luka absolutely went off. There was always one or two other role players that had a big night offensively. A big night. So the first two games of the conference finals have been stinkers. First three games, rather. Right? The Heat handle the Celtics in game one. The Warriors go out and beat Dallas by 25. Boston bounces back, but it a 25-point win. We have not had any dramatic moments yet. Three shots at it this weekend. It's bound to happen at some point. When the role players on both teams are going back and forth and getting it done. Golden State, a six-point betting favorite tonight for those interested. Rage of Cajun softball. Taking on Clemson. Who are they going to throw today? That's a good question. That's a good question. Something that I'll ask Bobby Niva. You know, the way that Megan Swarman played in the Sunbelt tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they're going. But between her and Kendra Lamb and Sam Landry, I mean, you're going to see, I'm guessing you're going to see all three of them this weekend. But maybe they give Swarman the first stab at it against Auburn. This team's just got to, if, if the Cajuns can get through today with zero under the E, no errors, I think they're winning. I think they're winning today. It's a give me all you got Friday on the Great Scott Show. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Somebody that didn't even want to enter the chat when it came to the Real Housewives of the SEC showdown yesterday between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. We'll tell you about it next. This is ESPN Lafayette. It's a great Scott show. Don't go anywhere. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable 
that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen, and it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top, and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. One thing is for sure, Jimbo is very insecure about the fact that coaching in the state of Texas under the current NIL rules give him an advantage. That's pretty clear. It was clear when he got upset about, you know, they got the number one ranked recruiting class. People pointed out the advantages they had. He's like, oh, I had nothing to do with that. And then he got mad when Saban called him out. Now Saban, you know, insinuated he broke rules. Jimbo says he didn't. And for the first time ever, Lane Kiffin was left speechless. Speechless. Didn't think it was possible. Guys like Lane Kiffin, guys like Isaiah Gian, who's no longer managing, but I think of coaches like that, I'm like, hey, you, you can leave them speechless. Something big went down. 337-269-1077. Got time for a phone call or two before we bring on Bobby Niva. Talk a little UL softball today. One fifteen scheduled pregame from the Clemson Regional as UL takes on Auburn. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome in. Hello. You can hear, you can hear the hurt in his voice. The man sounded like he was on the verge of tears. Uh, and the only reason I think that, because you know, maybe they were friends at one point and he didn't think that he would get attacked like this. You know, kind of made, not, even made it personal in a sense, towards Fisher. And Fisher sounds hurt. Like you said earlier, and I was thinking the same thing, both of these men from the from the same state. You know, um, who, who knows, man? I just I just think the whole thing is funny. And and, and, I, and I like Saban, always did. Yeah, I know. I, know I, I question some of these things. I know some stories on the cool. Um, but I think, I, I, hope, I hope coaches like Billy Dapier win from trash like this. You know, these men up here are arguing over – they always get the best players. These schools always get the top players, and they're going to continue to get the top players because they always – like you said, they buy. Scott, you know what's so crazy? Most of these, the students they go out to, uh, the black college players, uh, when, you know, most black players, when, when uh, they wasn't allowed to go to these schools, right, they were the HBCUs. Most black athletes didn't start leaving HBCUs until they was getting uh, – to the money got real good to the point where, hey, I can't turn this money down, you know. Um, I just think it's a game, man, and I hope other coaches come out on top because of this. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I, you know I, I what? You know what? I'm with you. I mean, I'm not rooting for either of those guys. Um, it does feel like a mean girl's real housewife. You know, it, it feels like two privileged individuals with a lot of advantages. Not saying they haven't worked hard. But yeah, yeah. They, they've got, they've got all those advantages, they and they're, they're complaining about about each other and it's like come on man no i'm 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 with you about billy i'm with you you know saban man it's basically you know what saban's doing well like you said you i think you said that well hey i gotta do it just to keep uh, to stay relevant everything so he guess, says you, is you, you calculated now he probably did get carried yeah. away in a room of boosters as far as like how far i went with it but all his points about nil he'd been just waiting and waiting and waiting for someone to say it uh for someone to ask him about it just so he could go off and 
Yeah, it's like he'll eventually be able to be like, well, this is the rule in place, so I'm doing it this way now. I don't like it, but this is the way it is, and da-da-da-da-da, and I don't think it should be this way. And he's, he's, he's just setting things up. That's all he's doing. Yeah, but like I said, man, I had, I just I lost respect for Saban on the cool, man. You, you know, on the yeah, not not like this. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not like this. And uh, that's all I have to add to it. And thank you. Appreciate the call. Feels like the Mean Girls fight. And I think the reason we're drawn to it is. It's rare, right? It's rare. I mean, I guess if you watch reality TV a lot, I don't. But if you do, you 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 see things like that. I watch one show. I watch. The, I still watch the Challenge, or the Challenge All Stars rather. But you know, so much of that stuff is sort of premeditated, stage, whatever. In sports, it's rare that guys just are going off the handle or saying whatever. You know, and when they do, people talk about it. And when it's personal and it's over the line, as, as, it's one thing when it's just, oh, they're bringing up good points, and, yeah, they said it with a little little fervor, a little zeal. Okay. But whenever you notice there's some personal stuff involved, like when Pat Beverly made the media rounds, it was, it was big for a day, and then by, like, the end of day two, it was like, you know, I don't know how much life will this Saban Fisher thing. I know this CBS will try to milk the heck out of this, as will SEC meetings, as will the media. But as far as on the field, no, I ain't rooting for them. Neither of them. CSP and Lafayette, best ticketed sports. SEC. The Cajuns play a team in the SEC today on the softball diamond at the Clemson Regional. Bobby Nava. Color analyst for Rage of Cajun Softball joins me next on The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Show on a Friday final segment now. Reminder, Louisiana Raging Cajun Softball today from the Clemson Regional taking on Auburn. And on that call will be Ian Ozan and my man Bobby Neva in the booth. Bobby, first off, man, good morning. Uh, secondly, I you know I, I say often, you've forgotten more about UL softball than I've ever known. That's how close you've been to this program for many years. How excited do you get for regionals, and uh, does this year match that excitement? Absolutely. You know, it's just a, it's a different level, and uh, whether you're broadcasting or you're coaching or you're playing or you're a fan, I think, you know, you get a little bit more excited at this time of the year. It means, you know, it just means so much more. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, as uh, the two or the three thing, look, there are three. It is what it is. I think I, I think you got a better chance winning the Clemson Regional as a three than you would have the Tuscaloosa Regional as a two. Am I out of, you know, is that some would say, oh, that's a glass half full approach. I mean, I I think it's a realistic approach, Bobby. No, I, I think you're right, Scott. You know, I was I was talking to uh, I was talking to Jay earlier in the week and you know, he mentioned that, you know, we're a really strong three and Auburn's maybe one of the weaker twos. 
And, uh, you know, that might put us in a better position this year. It's not not the case every year, but but this year it turned out, I think it, it turned out pretty good for the Cajuns. Listen, man, if, if Coach Glasgow isn't able to make it back to the team at any point this season, and, and that's TBD, but if if he's not, I mean, how – how difficult? How much more difficult does it make this this regional to win? I mean, look w- with respect to Coach Prezo and Coach Robisha, who I have a lot of respect for, who are two great assistants. But you know, Coach Coach Glasgow is the head coach for a reason. Uh, no, yeah, I, you know, um, the thing about it, you know, Scott, in my opinion, you know, these kids have been around Coach Glasgow every day since the end of August of last year. You know, you got the. They've got the whole fall with him. They've got the entire season with him. He's, you know, his fingers on everything they do in this week. Whether he's, you know, present or not, uh, I think it's going to have a little bit of an effect. And of course, everybody would love for him to be there. If he's not there, you know, he's still going to have a big effect on what those kids are doing this week. They know what he expects uh, from them at practice. And, uh, you know, I know they've been, Going, going on with their business uh, as usual this week. And, you know, I'm sure Coach Glasgow has been in contact with his assistant coaches and making sure they understand exactly what he wants and what he expects from them this week. And it's been business as usual, you know, just the only thing he hasn't been there, he hasn't been there in person. What do you think the biggest challenge of this regional is, Bobby? Because, I mean, we mentioned Auburn. Obviously, Clemson's really good. I don't know a ton about them. I just know they're the number 10 overall seed. So uh, what, what in your mind is the biggest challenge for UL as they approach this game today? Uh, not uh, Rather, not just this game today, but but rather this entire weekend. Well, you know, just staying focused and, um, you know, Coach Glasgow may not be there. He may be there. And um, they're going to face some really, really good pitching in this, in this, uh, this regional, you know, um, Auburn's, Team uh, ERA is 2.64, and and Clemson and UNC Wilmington, their team ERAs are both under two. So they're going to face some really, really good pitching. Uh, I think the key is going to be to, you know, uh, not not make some of the mistakes they were making early in the year, stay away from the big innings, giving up the big innings, and, uh, you know, doing what they've been doing the last six weeks or so offensively. And um, you know, being able to, uh, to 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 get on top of those good rise ball pitchers, uh, the the pitcher for Auburn, Maddie Maddie Pinter, she's uh, you know she throws as hard as anybody in the country. She'll throw seventy seventy one. She has a, you know she's twenty three and nine with a one point seven seven ERA. Strikes out a lot of hitters. So staying off the, her rise ball when she throws it out of the strike zone, that's when she's had a lot of success getting hitters uh, to swing at pitches out of the strike zone. Going to have to, gonna have to, uh, to get to her early in the counter thing. She doesn't walk a lot of people, and she's not the kind of pitcher you want to fall behind in the count, you know, 0-2 against. Because if you do, you know, she'll, she'll get you more times than not. Give me an X factor. What player for the Cajuns is the ultimate X factor this weekend? You know, a, a kid that's been flying under the radar all season long, is uh, is Kayla Faltman, you know, in left field. You know, nobody talks much about her. All she does is goes out. She plays great defense. And, uh, you know, at the plate, she gets on base out of that nine hole. I, I don't have her uh, on base percentage 
uh, in front of me at the moment, but she gets on base a lot. She scores a lot of runs, and she sets the table for the top of the lineup. I think she's going to be important. If she can continue to do that, uh, and, of course, you know, the power hitters continue to do what they've been doing, like I said, the last six weeks, it's really been fun to watch the Cajuns play. But I like Kayla Faltman a no lot. No doubt. Good stuff, Bobby Navarre, I guess. And lastly, what, what is – what do you think the the rotation might look like? You know, what do you think the Cajuns are going to do in the circle this week? Uh, you know, it's hard to say, Scott. I mean, they've done so many different things uh, on in, in the weekend series against against the uh, the conference opponents. You know, they, they but you know, anyway, they go. If if I had to, you know, if I had to bet today, I would think that we're going to see Megan Sherman in the circle in the first game against Auburn, but. Again, I could be wrong. You know, you've got you've got two really other good options, and um, I think you'll see all three pitchers pitching a lot this weekend. It's going to be fun. I love regionals. The stakes, you know, it's as high as they get, right? Win in advance, indeed, lose and go when home. When you, you win, you advance. You lose, you come home. So that's it. And that's what uh, it's all about at this time of the year, and that's what makes it so much more exciting, you know? Well, yeah, no doubt. And I know the Cajuns' goal is to either – head to Stillwater next week or somewhere if uh, there's an upset in that one. But they got they got goals. It starts today in the postseason with the matchup against Auburn. Scheduled 1.30 start time, but bear in mind that comes central, 1.30 central. That comes after the Clemson-UNC Wilmington game. So maybe it starts on time. Maybe it's a little later. We'll keep you up to date on social media and everywhere else. But 1.15 scheduled pregame, Ian Ozan and that guy right there, Bobby Nova from Clemson for some NCAA regional softball. Bobby, man, um, y'all enjoy the stay. And I know with wins, you'll enjoy it a lot more. But enjoy Clemson while you're there. We'll be listening to you on the air. Uh, Safe travels back, whatever that is. And we'll talk to you again in the future, my friend. Okay, Scott. Thank you so much, my friend. And on that note, we are out of time here on the Great Scott Show. It's been a give-me-all-you-got Friday. Big thanks to Gus Cattengale, to all of you. Been fun talking NBA playoffs, little diamond sports, and the Jimbo versus Saban feud and war of words. Have a great weekend, everybody. Reminder, Cajun Softball, 1.30 today. All the games from the Clemson Regional will be right here. UL versus Little Rock on the baseball diamond tonight and tomorrow over on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'll talk to you guys uh, Monday. Have a great weekend. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.